Welcome to Back to the Point. I am your host, Rick Golding from BC High's class of 2004. And today on the pod, we actually have the first ever dual guest, two guest podcast uh, on this podcast. Not ever, obviously. Uh, but we have the Sears brothers. We have Brian Sears, class of 2004, classmate of mine. Um, and we have his brother, Taylor Sears, who's actually a classmate of my brother's uh, from the class of 2007. Um, and they came on to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, their time at PC High, uh, their experiences here, what it was like to come here, what it was like to learn here. Um, but they also talked about their time at Mass Mar Maritime Academy. They both attended uh, Mass Maritime for college. Uh, and they, they, they got into that a little bit. Uh, but they also talked about what it was like to build a family-owned business. So by way of quick background, and obviously we get into it on the pod, uh, their father, Greg Sears, and the two of them and their mother uh, all own, co-own, co-operate, you know, family-run business. Um, a charter fishing business out of Scituate Harbor called Mass Bay Guides. And it's really a cool story of uh, just, you know, a family working together, learning from each other, uh, helping each other, um, you know, kind of grow a business and learn a business. And um, they talk a lot about that and, and also we, we get to hear some interesting stories about some stuff that that's happened on the water uh, <laughs> that kind of comes with owning a charter fisher a charter fishing business but um, some exciting stuff nonetheless uh, you know never a dull day I guess out there on the water um, but it but we had a lot of fun talking it was great to catch up with those guys um, they're they're from Scituate, so I, I knew them a ways back but it was great to see them. Great to catch up with them and great to kind of hear their story. Um, quick housekeeping before we get rolling. Uh, for folks who have a, uh, a reunion this year, if you haven't registered already for a reunion, you should go do that uh, online on the BC High website. Uh, go register, you know, go catch up with your classmates on April 6th. Um, there's no reason not to. It's going to be a blast. My class is up this year for our 15-year reunion. Which is which is crazy. I just can't believe it's already already been fifteen years. But um, all the guys from the year years before me whose reunion is are, are are just telling me to shut up right now. But that's fine. Um, but go register for a reunion. Um, Two thousand four. Any anybody from oh four who's listening, go do that right now. Uh, also, send us your feedback. Back to the point at bchi.edu. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. We want your suggestions for guests. Um, I, I issued that call on the last pod, but nobody seemed to uh, send along anything yet. So I'm, I'm serious. I want to, I want as many suggestions for guests as possible, topics, any, any and all of the above. Uh, would love, would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, all right, let's do it. Here comes the Sears Brothers and some stories from the water. All right, so we are here in the third floor of Loyola on Tuesday morning, March 12th, and it's a, it's a gloomy day outside. And I have in front of me here in studio Brian Sears, class of 2004, my classmate, and uh, Taylor Sears, who is uh, a classmate of my brother's from the class of 2007. Guys, what's up? Not too much. It's great to see you, man. <laughs> Coming in for a visit after how many years? Ten, ten years or so. You guys haven't been here in ten years? Yeah, I mean, oh, at least. You haven't been, like, on campus at all? I, think I haven't. Taylor hasn't. I haven't been here since he was playing lacrosse his senior year, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's, we, like, we, 12 years for yeah, you. Right. Yeah. And 12 years for you? Because last time you were on yeah, campus was graduation? Yep. Wow. I think I actually did one uh, one visit for a... Uh, a uh, 
lacrosse game. Oh. Yeah, alumni yeah. game. Came back. Game. Yeah. Yep. Do they still do those or no? Um, I think so. I mean, I I haven't heard. You guys got her off the list. Yeah. They're like, get the Sears I Brothers think we're on the list for the first five years. Now we're just, you know, we're old news. Yeah. Like, and these, off. Kids, yeah. these kids are washed up. Yeah. yeah. We definitely don't want them back. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Well, um, we're going to get into a lot of stuff this morning, but uh, I, I wanted to mention that you guys are the co-owners with your father, co-owners, co-operators. Correct. Mother uh, and father. Yeah, with family your, business. With your, with your mom and your dad of yep. a fishing charter business out of Situate Harbor Correct. called Mass Bay Guides. That's right? Yep. yep. All right. Yep. So we're going we're gonna to get into how you, <laughs> how you arrived at the decision to start a family company and, and things like that in just a little bit. But first, I kind of want to start um, to see if we could talk a little bit about both of your BC High experiences. So obviously, Brian, you started here before Taylor. Um, what was it like to have your brother join you? Uh, was it in your senior year? Senior year. Yeah. yeah. So what was, that's right, because Doug, came, my brother Doug, came on. What was it like to have uh, your brother join you as a freshman when you were a senior? I mean, it was a pretty cool experience. I mean, we've done most everything together growing up. You know, being two brothers within three years of each other. So whether it's fishing or sports or anything like that, so. It flowed pretty good. I mean, you definitely have that like older stick up for your brother sort of syndrome or whatever you want to call it. When, yeah. Uh, when he's here, so, um, and he also didn't have to take the bus like we did. Which yeah. Was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was a cool. You are I was so. A cool freshman. You are so. Wait, did, senior. But did you take the bus? Uh, did you end up taking the bus when Brian left? So I took the bus for I think really only a year, and then. You know, we got our licenses. Yeah, so sophomore, sophomore year, when year. Brian was gone, yeah. you ended up taking. He them definitely years. had it easier. I did. Being here. Yeah, so <laughs> for all the for all the uh, younger alumni uh, who are listening, the the train didn't come until like October two thousand and seven. So you were long. You were you were gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, we used to have to take a bus from uh, the South Shore up ninety three every day. With to, multiple stops. With multiple stops. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And uh, it was an interesting time on that bus. It was. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. It was an interesting time on that bus. Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But uh, um, so, Taylor, for you, walking onto campus as a freshman, what was it like to have your older brother here as a senior? Uh, I mean, a part of me thought I kind of already knew pieces of the, the campus and some of the people that already, you know, worked here and the coaches and all that because I saw him for three years prior uh, play sports and, you know, went to all of his games and everything. So it, I think it was easier for me coming on as a freshman uh, compared to a lot of other kids. Um, but it's the same kind of, you know, scary Part when you're trying to meet all new people you've never met before and you know there are only a few situate people um situate kids when i started so i came in really knowing maybe two or three kids as a freshman mm. um and then you know sports is what kind of bonded me to everybody else yeah you know mm. and i used to hang out with his friends too so mm. well he maybe didn't want me to. But, you know, I, I you were you were there. I, I wouldn't call it hanging along. out. Yeah, I was always tagging along. So it's uh, I, I in came in. And my some of my friends were our seniors. Yeah, you know. So it's I think it was just a different, um, different side of things. I gotcha. Know? Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about kind of what stands out from your time here, Brian. Um, you 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 obviously were part of what has been dubbed multiple times on this podcast, the Situate Crew. Um, you, you played lacrosse while you were here, mm -hmm. um, did a lot of other things, obviously. What kind of stands out the most from your time at BC High? Um, and wh and what, what sticks with you today? I guess just to kind of stay on the same, same track to, to start this response is sports was a huge part. Um, lacrosse was great. Uh, play lacrosse. You know, as soon as we started the program and, and situate like sixth, seventh grade, mm -hmm. um, was it fortunately able to kind of morph that into high school and um, and play all four years here, which was outstanding. Uh, one thing that was cool though that that sticks out uh, probably the most is um, our father 
uh, Greg was the ski coach as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot about yeah. that. So, <laughs> so uh, how could I forget? <laughs> how could you forget about <laughs> that? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know him, all you have just Google him and and you'll figure it out. But uh, but yeah, he's he's just a character. He's the salt of the earth. Great guy. You know, we've learned a lot from him. Um, so you know, he was the coach starting my freshman year. He uh, he grew up skiing. He went to Hebrew Academy up in Maine, and um, he's always was always a great athlete and stuff growing up, um, and just wanted to get involved in the in the school and you know love the program here and just love the. And he's a freshman lacrosse coach. Yeah, that's true yeah, for me. Yeah, for you. And um, so yeah, that really sticks out in my mind. So you know, we we really formed like a couple tight-knit groups between the Situate crew, the yeah. Situate crew that skied, yeah, the right. ski team crew, you know. So it was um, – that was a great experience for, for us, I think. I have, a, I have a question about your dad becoming a coach. Did he just, like, come in and be like, I want to be the ski coach? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> pretty uh, much. Pretty much. Well, he was always coaches, you know, yeah. prior no, to of course, and everything. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, like, situate and right. then coming up here and being like, I'm going to be your new ski yeah, coach. Kind of just yeah. walked in with his mustache. And then he was coach for, and then he was coach for eight years and won, like, skis, championships, and that's just, he's just kind of that. Like the, he's like the Bill Belichick of skiing. Yeah, kind of. Just, kinda. just yeah. putting up banners yeah. and yeah. winning he rings. He talks a lot more than Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Well, Taylor, what about you? What stands out from your time here at BC High? Man. Um, I would say the the camaraderie after sports, going and, like, hanging out at, like, Sully's and grabbing a burger or... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, you know, just, just hanging out with the guys after, after a game or, um, you know, being up skiing and hanging out in the lodge and stuff after your race. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I think it's different from most schools, you know. It's, it's not a very easy school to get through, so I think it's, it brings a lot of more camaraderie to, you know, all the kids going yeah. to it, especially when you're, when you're playing sports. De- mm-hmm. It definitely instills the team approach, you know, which I think kind of in this day and age is lacking sometimes, just kind of that social skills, pick your head up out of the screen, right. you know, work with the people around you. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes you a much more well-rounded person, I feel, you know. Mm. Is there, other than your dad, mm-hmm. uh, is there anyone, and that's not to take anything away from Greg Sears because... <laughs> Greg, I know you're probably going to listen to this, and no disrespect, my friend. I, I, uh, I wonder if there's anyone um, kind of from BC High or from your time here, whether it was a teacher or a non-Greg coach, that kind of stands out and that was someone that you would say was particular formative, particularly formative to you. Um, is there anyone that sticks out? Um, a couple of – well, one teacher in particular for me was Mr. Skipper. Mm-hmm. He was just a funny – salt of the earth guy as well he actually not to go back on the greg train but just kind of reminded me of him a little bit he's just easy to you know his class was great he was just you know loving guy mm-hmm. um i mean i never even had him as a teacher yeah and he used to walk up to me and call me you know little sears and like you know have yeah. a full conversation with me so yeah they obviously had some type of relationship you know yeah he was just a good guy right yeah good all-around guy you know, yeah um, so yeah what about you taylor other than mr sears is there anyone i mean other than mr skipper mr skipper um i was actually thinking about this in the way here i think i think uh mr navaretti actually chemistry um you know leaving bc high went to mass maritime and i guess we'll probably get into all that but yeah that's coming up this is a great segue yeah thank you very much (laughs) but uh (laughs) you know just learning about how like stuff works as far as like chemicals and compounds and materials and all that type of stuff I think kind of helped me anyways move through life mm. move through the future like after BCI mm. so I went to engineering school and stuff so it kind of morphed into that a little bit cool you know he's he's the, the, the teacher that I thought of as far as you know using some of his classes you know throughout life I guess yeah but gotcha sounds deep but it's true. <laughs> uh, we don't have to be afraid of being deep on this podcast. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about your true feelings. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so you, you you mentioned this, Taylor, but you both went to Mass Maritime, right? Correct. So both of you went to the same high school. Both of you went to the same college. Um, what was it like? What was the transition like going from BC High to Mass Maritime for both of you? Um, <clears throat> want me to start since yeah. I went there first? Mine's very different. Yours is very different. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it this way. I'll never forget my parents' face when... Because when you go to orientation, it's not like, you know, warm, cuddly... You know, yeah. kind of normal orientation. Yeah, like I guess. welcome. Here's not, the welcome. Yeah, night. not to put down like normal college university orientation, but it's like essentially a mini boot camp when you go there. So I'll never forget my head, which is shaved now, was shaved, white t shirt, uh, blue PT shorts, like basically the pre uniform before you get a uniform. Mm-hmm. And then hearing the, all the kids with the last name A walk into that gym and just start getting yelled at. And my, my dad just looking at me and with a big smirk on his face <laughs> laughing at me like, good luck. My um, mom freaking out. Yeah, my mom corner. freaking out in the corner. But <laughs> no, I, uh, you know, for me it was, I, I definitely had some expectations. I had some friends there um, that were, you know, um, upperclassmen that, you know, kind of gave me a, a briefing before, you know, mm. I started. But. I was super passionate about going there. For those of you who don't, I mean, aren't familiar with Mass Maritime, it's a Merchant Marine Academy. I mean, you're essentially, um, you know, you're shipping out and stuff while you're at school. Um, it's a very different sort of uh, college experience, but it was definitely a shock to the system. But it, at the same time, it wasn't because that kind of team building approach here at BC High morphed right into Maritime. And I think that, you know, after the first couple of days of orientation, this is gonna kind of sound weird, but like you, I feel like I became like one of the leaders of our pack. I was kind of able to pull everyone mm. together in certain moments. Got it. And yeah. I definitely think that BC High helped me with that. You know, not to say that there weren't tough times initially, and I wasn't scared or anything. <laughs> dear mom and dad. Yeah, dear mom and dad. <laughs> I want to come out home. of here now. <laughs> uh, why did you do this yeah. to me? Yeah. No, but. You know, it was definitely a shock, but that that faded quickly. Yeah. And, um, you know. What do you think it was about your time at BC High that maybe helped you kind of easily walk into that leader role that you just described? I mean, it's really the whole experience from the bus ride we talked about and just kind of finding your place there. I mean, if you can find your place there, then you automatically become a leader. You know, you yeah. know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, sport. <laughs> sport. <laughs> yeah. Sport. Sports, the classroom, I mean... Structure. The structure, the structure's huge, just, yeah. like, getting used to that grind. You know, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i probably harp on that a bunch of times during this podcast, but just as much as it's as tough as it is sometimes, that grind and just working hard, it, it really does instill that in you, and it's it's super important. You know, not, not just from my experience in Mass Maritime, but, you know, leading all the way up till now, so... Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't want to go to Mass Maritime. For, you didn't want to go? For, yeah, for three years. Why uh, Why didn't you want to go? Cause I, you, cause I saw you... what he went through, and I said, there's no way I'm doing that, right? Um, so junior year, I think it's junior year, you start looking at colleges and yeah. and, and everything, right? Well, um, we'll, we'll call it junior year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wait, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I applied there just basically just because, just to get... Uh, hopefully accepted and have an option to go there. Yeah. And uh, I want to go to school for engineering. Um, and I want to say it was I was either Endicott, Ma- Mass Maritime, or Western New England College. Mm-hmm. And Endicott, I was going to go there for entrepreneurial business. Endicott, I mean, uh, Western New England, I was going to go for engineering. And Mass Maritime would have been probably engineering. Um and it got down to after all the visits and meeting with everybody is it ended up most likely being Western New England College, but seeing at that point in time like what he was getting for um, I guess for like jobs and uh, mm. internships and seeing all of his friends and what they're doing and kind of uh, I hate to say it, but like what kind of money they were making getting out of school and all that. It's okay um, to say that. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to well, say that. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do everything for money, but it is important at that stage. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I ended up doing was because I couldn't make my decision was take both the application, like the acceptance letters and flipping them upside down on the counter in my parents' house and have my mom mix them up. And then I chose one. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's how I went to Mass Marathon. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't decide. I, I spent weeks trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Literally a coin flip. Literally a coin flip, yeah. Wow. Yep. Imagine if, like, uh, your mom had, like, taken, like, switched know, out right? for Blake like, Sheets or something. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, big, the big BC moment. Now. You're, like, oh. Both Mass Maritime Sheets. Yeah, exactly. You know? Here you go. Yeah. What did your, when you were trying to decide, did your folks want you to go one or, to one or the other? Um. Not, you know, not really. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the other schools I was looking at were good schools and, um, a piece of me thought that I probably shouldn't go to a school that there was so much, uh, <laughs> I guess not partying, but you know, the, leisurely, the activity. leisurely social activities. <laughs> so I, you guys I, have a really good way of phrasing things. I, I decided to do something, you know, I decided to, to go for the more structured approach, kind of like BCI. Yeah. You know, it's. It's not fair. It's not for everybody, but if you get through it and work through it, it's worth doing. You know. Gotcha. So. Okay. So let me ask you this: You guys are both at Mass Maritime. Obviously, you overlap for one year. Correct. Uh, year so again. just like here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like then? You know, years <laughs> later, to, to for you to walk on the same campus as your senior brother. Um. It was honest. hilarious. <laughs> it was really funny because so as a senior at Mass Maritime, you you're the one yelling. You're the one yelling at the freshman coming in. Nice. So Is all that... of his friends were leaders and and including him, he was a squad leader. And part of it, I mean, part, yeah, part, platoon leader. Yeah, I was a platoon leader, which you right. don't have to do orientation as a platoon leader for. You know, but for, you volunteered. I volunteered. I Actually, knew it. I knew it. There's like one position left open. They're like, hey, serious, you want to be a platoon leader? I'm like, uh, cool. Yeah, sure. Why yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> one of the things you have to do at orientation is they have, you get this book, and it's like part of your youngie gear. You're not actually a cadet until you get recognized like a month after you start school after orientation there. So you get this book. And you have to memorize all of the senior leadership staff's names and what their positions are. Wow. So income, income, and while they're screaming in your face and making and push up, and, and they're all my because friends. Because I knew all of his friends. So he has my friends yelling at him like, what's my name? He's like, are you serious? Like sitting there, <laughs> sitting there at attention like, your full name or your nickname? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, oh, so I got tortured. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, good torture, though. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh. You know, you, you they go, pushed you. They pushed me. Yeah. And, and um, you know, they knew I was going to get through it either way. Yeah. So they kind of could have fun, you know, uh, saying certain things to me and, and kind of pulling me out of the group and, and trying to use me as an example for certain things, you know. And uh, it was really funny, though. I mean, I remember going through the line, kind of like what he was saying, you, the, the, you're lined up in the very beginning of, of orientation or boot camp. Yeah. And, uh for those that don't have their heads shaven, they shave all your heads. For those that don't have the right clothes, you know, you get the right clothes. And by the end of it, you're, you all look the same. And I remember I didn't, uh, I didn't shave my head until I went through and coming out and like looking at myself in the mirror is one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. I've never had a shaved head in my entire life. You yeah. know, and I was fishing all summer. So I went from like this like mahogany, like perfect skin. Rich mahogany. Rich skin. mahogany skin. To like, you know, white as a sheet of paper on my head. And uh, yeah. it was pretty funny. That's great. Yeah. Well, what would you say about how, what would you say, Taylor, um, about how BCI prepared you for an experience like Mass Maritime? Um, you know, education, the, the classes weren't easy, you know, compared to, I would say, most public schools. Um, so at BCI or at Mass Maritime? At, at BCI. Yeah. So like getting into Mass Maritime, I went to you know there for engineering. The the math uh, and science portion of that is so extensive at Mass Maritime that like, but freshman and sophomore year were easy for me because mm. of BC High. You know the last two years of BC High were they almost just crossed right over. So it was. You know that part of it was much easier for me compared to everybody else you know i saw a lot of kids struggling with math and science um at mass maritime because there's so much of it yep. no matter what major you're in yep um so i think that was probably the biggest thing and again the structure part of it you know having to wear the right you know uniform every day there's, yeah. a, there's a uniform here but it's not quite the same at mass maritime understood but it's still you kind of <laughs> have that mentality of 
you know, you have to do certain things, whether, um, you know, I guess it makes sense or not. It's just, you, you do it to. Yeah. So it's so everything becomes muscle memory. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about it anymore. You wake up and you put it mm-hmm. on and you go to school and, you know, that's is what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. So you guys both graduate, do, do well for yourselves at Mass Maritime and you both graduate. Um, obviously, Brian, you a little bit ahead of your brother. What what comes next? And, and, and what I guess I'm asking is, at what point did you and your mom and your dad and you, at what point did you guys look at each other and say, you know what we want to do? We want to we want to run a company together. Yeah. yeah. Um, that actually started early on. I mean, my my parents. So prior to the whole fishing company kind of starting, the whole charter fishing company started. My dad was a contractor for a long time, entrepreneur, worked for himself, um, you know, always had, you know, a small crew with him and doing different jobs. And then my mom's kind of had that same sort of passion and bug as well. You know, she's she's owned a, a gym for a long time and just they've always like, you know, pursued their passions and and done their own thing. So um, that the whole mindset of no matter what we started together was already there. And we I think we kind of took that approach from them. Um, but we've always loved fishing. I mean, my dad's been fishing since he was, you know, really little. We have too. Um, so like three, three or four years old. We started yeah. Fishing. Since we were like, we used to, when I was like a newborn, I guess he used to put me like in the center console and go out bass fishing and things like that. <laughs> so we've been on the water, you know, our whole lives. And I mean, that's a big piece of the reason why I think we both, both went to mass maritime as yeah. well. Cause that component makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back in like, actually it was um, while we were in at BC High, um, my father kind of started it as a as a side thing. So alongside of ski coach and contract, he's like, oh, I have time for one more thing. Yeah, I'll add this to my <laughs> plate. Yeah, I'll add this to my plate. And um, he he basically became like kind of booking agent for several um, several other charter guys, close friends. You know, as you can imagine, it's very expensive to yeah. to own a boat. You know, never mind several boats. And with two kids going to BC High and, yeah. you know, trying to make um, ends meet and things like that, he just did what he could to stay on the water. Yeah. And uh, and that just kind of grew and grew, and, and we helped him with that. So, like, you know, he would book different trips for different boats, and Taylor and I would mate, or he would mate, or he would run the boat. And then it just kind of evolved to finally we got our own boat, um, our own charter-capable vessel in the early 2000s, and then it just exploded. Um, he, he somehow became very savvy with keywords and Google and things yeah, like he's, that. He's kind of, the, the beginning of that, like before yeah. anybody knew in the charter world how to do the Google stuff. That's he was the first one. Kind of, he taught himself. How he, to taught, do- he taught himself how to do all of that. Like, honestly, like, yeah. n- like there the was no YouTube videos and... to learn it. Nothing. Wow. And, uh. So he just built this website and it became, you type in charter fishing, Massachusetts, tuna fishing, Massachusetts, shark fishing, Massachusetts. He was, he he was the, the first company. At the sometimes top. the first, second, third. First, second, Search third. Search engine optimization. Yeah, right. exactly. That's really wow. What, that's really what did it. Yeah. That's really what sparked, you know, quick growth with the company. And we were both at an age where, you know, I'm in college. He's in high, he's in high school slash college. And we had the summers to work, so his overhead was low having us as mates. And, you know, in this industry, the fishing industry in general, it's super important having, like, a trustworthy crew where, like, you can kind of think, you know, for each other kind yeah. of in the moment. You know what everybody you know, is You don't have to it. communicate very much once yeah. you get in a groove. So I think having his two sons be a part of it and um, be able to kind of build the company with him just – has made it what it is today for sure. So that's that's kind of how it all evolved and, and started. And you know, we I started get, doing all the media stuff too. That was big. So yeah. Facebook, like, just came out and uh, really kind of when the the company started. So yeah, it was like an o- it was like an 04 when yeah. Facebook hit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The company think, started yeah. in technically '99, and I think he bought his boat in 2005. Yeah. And uh, you know, we started immediately doing video like montages of the seasons and and uh you know it got to the point we were doing like 10 videos a season of mm. just different types of fishing yeah and that was like in the very beginning when no one really did that you know no one really filmed 
there was fishing shows, but no one filmed like that live kind of. Yeah, yeah no, this is what we did last. No month one then. filmed like what the f- what fishing fanatics want to see. Right, like the hardcore, like the action shots. Um, yeah, and we did tons. of This those. wasn't Charlie Moore, is what you're saying. Correct. Right, yeah. it was like action. And no, nothing against Charlie Moore <laughs> yeah. if you're listening. Charlie, yeah, <laughs> listen, Charlie, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was, I think, the other big part of it too is we we uh, you know did all the the Facebook stuff and then then it ended up being Instagram and now it's both of those and uh, Brian and I both um, kind of I think led that. In, in the beginning of like fishing videos, now it's to the point that it's just inundated. Yeah. You know, now there's so many fishing videos out there. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the also that what sparked the Mass Bay Guide growth besides the website because there was no one else doing that. And every, every other fisherman around like wanted to do that but couldn't. You know, they couldn't figure out how we were filming things. And, um, and not, I mean, not only that, it's like, you know, our father's running the boat or one of us is running the boat. Like we're all kind of capable of, of doing of filming and knowing what to capture yep. and things like that. And, you know, if just having that again, team approach yeah. to it, it just all flowed very naturally. Yeah. It was, it was different for us though. Cause we, I mean, we were running the boat at like 13, 14 driving yeah. boats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the first time I ever went out with friends was like, I was maybe 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Just me and my friends taking my dad's boat out. Yeah. You know, and that's, like, a lot of, that's a lot of trust. A lot I can tell you something. It's, my it's dad different. would not let me do that. <laughs> exactly. And with good reason. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I think we were just, you know, we were all kind of uh, growing together, even though we were all different ages. What's yeah. been the hardest part about running and growing a business? Uh, oh, actually, let me rephrase that. What's been, what's been the hardest part about running and growing this business? Not just a business in general, but kind of what's the biggest challenge you guys have on like a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis in terms of the business there's so many things that are out of your control i mean there's weather there's the economy you know if people don't have you know i guess disposable income to go have fun and things like that it directly affects us right um there's there's regulations government state and federal you know there's different quotas that we have to abide by for different species things like that so different lures and things you can use yeah rigs you can't use and this you you can't just go out with a net and yeah. Catch a million fish. Yeah, you know, there's different <laughs> methods. They 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 regulate sometimes, like different methods, different hooks, things like that that you that you have to utilize. So there's a lot of things that are out of our control, but at the same time, that's also what makes it interesting, is then you're constantly morphing right. all the time. Yeah. The whole point of it is just people want to forget about land, get on a boat, and whether they catch fish or not, for the most part. You know, everyone wants to catch fish, but of course. Um, that's the whole point. You gotta it's so much of it's entertaining. Yeah. It's almost more entertaining than anything else. You have to be mm-hmm. able to talk to anybody no matter what their age is. You got to be able to uh um explain, you know, how awesome fishing is when the fishing's bad, you know. Um you have to triage their kind of get them motivated, level. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest uh hurdle I guess to get over is um just all the the little new like I think weather and economy is probably the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you all guys right. do if you have like a big a big party booked and it's like so poor like rough seas? You know, I mean, I guess in like a rainstorm you might just go out. We'll still go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but in like really bad like a you know rough seas or something, what do you guys do? Typically, you know, once we get a, within a week of the trip, we have a good idea of what the weather is going to be sense. like, especially yeah. in the summer. You know. Um, when typically, you know, July, August, early September, it's calm most days. So it's, it is somewhat predictable, like middle of the season, but we start looking at it a week out, you know, we update, you know, any chart, any charter that we have on what's going on. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it comes down to a borderline forecast and they get down there and we give it a try. And if we, if we don't get out, then we don't get out and then we book another day, you know? Um, but again, it, it also kind of depends on where they're coming from. Are they coming from the Midwest? Are they coming from Norwell? You know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So we have to kind of look at that, um, you know, the, on the a good, case by case basis. I don't want to cut you off, but the, the good thing. But you I'm, just did. I yeah. just did. Yeah. The good thing <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, and I had to get it out before I forgot what I was going to say. I'll say it before you forget I'm now. Say it before yeah. I forget now. So, <laughs> to um, you know, the, like you were saying, the chart is from like different you know states that come there and. Uh, what it comes down to, if you're like borderline that morning when you're on your way out and 
you know, Brian and I and my dad and whoever else can handle some much rougher stuff as far as waves than anybody else and, and weather, you know, yeah. um, as far as like the, the customers going on the boat. So we're comfortable either way. Yeah. Um, but we know that the charter could be, you know, hit or miss. So us going out and us feeling comfortable if the charter's really like really wants to go and kind of pushy about going, usually it just takes like the right scenario and they just want to go in, you know, yeah. you kind of go out and, uh, you know, kind of test them a little bit to see what they can handle because everybody handles different, different, uh, weather. So, yeah, um, you got to make sure they can stay out make there sure for like, you know, you kind of look at like, um, you know, the little things with how they act and their experiences and stuff. And sometimes they just want to turn around. Once you get a mile out, if they're taking deep breaths and they have to walk outside, yeah. you know it's time to turn around. Yeah. You know? right. But, there, you know, there are some times where, you know, a, a lot of times if it's that borderline, like somewhat experienced crew will go out a couple miles. Yeah. We'll turn the, we'll turn the boat, you know, perpendicular to the waves, essentially. We're like, when is. we're on the drift out there, this is how it's going to feel. And you guys can make the decision because once we go past three miles, you know, we're going. Right. You know? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I know that sounds a little, it sounds a little harsh, but you also have to kind of play that game of being honest as well. Yeah. Well, you you guys are going to be out there for the day. Exactly. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're going out there for an hour, you know, it's it's a long long day. day. So you can't be two hours (laughs) in and be like, that's it. You know? Exactly. I I gotcha. Exactly. Uh, One of the questions that I, so I was driving up here this morning and I'm like, what questions am I going to ask these guys? One of them that I have to ask is like. When's a time that you've been out either alone or with a group where you've been either you, you've been like legitimately like, oh, this is bad. I can yeah, <laughs> have a good one. Uh, For both, folks who can't see what just happened, right, they so looked at each is... other and Taylor just pointed at Brian. Yeah, <laughs> I have a couple, but there's one, the one with Turbo. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Turbo. Turbo is a nickname for one of my maritime buddies. I hope he's listening to this because... He used to work in a tackle shop um, in high school and in the college. And I wasn't, the, I didn't make up turbo, but everyone else did. I guess he was so slow, he looked like he was going fast. <laughs> so that was how his nickname came out. And he's just kind of, he's just, he's a salt of the earth, great guy. Turbo. Super big heart, but he's, uh, he's all over the place. But, anyways, it was the fall. It was actually on Halloween, which I believe, and I might get, slammed on this but i believe is the anniversary of the perfect storm correct I think so. yeah halloween yeah. Yep. yeah so uh i should just know that fact off the top of my head but um <laughs> you had it yeah so it was halloween and uh there was a really good giant tuna bite going on in massachusetts bay which um you know is pretty pretty close to shore as, as far as like offshore fishing goes like in the in the fall months the tuna um get their last feed on so they they eat a lot before they migrate you know across to the mediterranean or down to the the gulf of mexico and uh so they're they're in the bay they're eating ground fish you know whiting you know haddock you know really anything herring mackerel so the bite was good we uh we had got a couple fish um a few days prior and uh we knew it was going to be rough this day. Like it was going to, the, sw- the wind switch was going to turn on all, like right after the tide change, uh-huh. um, which happens quite often. So it was going to be blowing 30 to 40 knots out of the Northwest, which is kind of the, the common wind in the fall months. It's cold. It's just kind of a confused sea condition. It's rough. It's very fishy wind, meaning like the fish usually bite in that wind, but it is not fun to deal with from yeah. a, from a running the boat perspective. Um, so we were supposed to leave at like 7 a.m. We, we sometimes leave later um, in the fall months just because of when the fish feed. We we're supposed to leave around 7. And uh, down, I'm, I'm down there rigging things up. And uh, down comes Turbo. And it's Halloween, of course. So he's wearing the, his entire dress whites uniform from Mass Maritime. <laughs> With his combo cover. If you Google this, dress whites and combo cover, he shows up to the boat in this. It was like the quintessential captain's uniform. He shows up. He still has all his ribbons and, you know, all of his decor, if you will, on his uniform from when we graduated. It was hilarious. We were crying, laughing. We get out there. 
it's just kind of like a casual, fun day. Um, we got out there. We started marking fish immediately um, on our electronics, and we went off, meaning we hooked up. And uh, we fought the fish for a couple hours. This is on a relatively new boat we weren't super familiar with. Fought the fish for a couple hours. We got it. It was around 800 pounds. Um, we had no way of getting them in the boat yet. Like, the boat was, like, 80% like finished. We're like, oh, we're, we need to catch a couple of fish to try to, like, pay for the other things that we need on the boat. <laughs> and uh, we had really <laughs> no way of getting them in the boat properly. Uh-oh. So, which put a delay on our return to, uh, we are actually at, I think, Sandwich that day. And um, we were later than expected. So, we were, we were in it when the wind came. So, we actually dragged the fish to P-Town, which was not my decision. So, if you picture kind of the middle of Massachusetts Bay, if you're looking at a map, we drove east to P-Town, Provincetown. We put the fish in the boat there. We were supposed to drop the fish with the buyer there, but the bite was so good that other fish came in and the truck couldn't meet us in P-Town, couldn't do the two-hour drive. And then we left P-Town with the fish in the boat. As we came out of the harbor, the northwest wind had ramped up to 30-40. Now we have to go back across the bay to sandwich. This is like putting it lightly. like It was like solid 12-footers, like beam two. And this boat was... um, it was being rigged up to be a, a I think, 12-passenger vessel. So uh, a typical charter boat around here is six-person six max. So you have captain, mate, and you're allowed to take six passengers on a, on a paid trip. So this boat had, like, huge scuppers or, like, holes in the back to help water flow. You, you know, you had to have certain things rigged up on the boat to accommodate more passengers. We were taking so much green water in the back of the boat that an 800-pounder, which was tied off, his mouth was tied off and his tail was tied off, was floating in the back of the boat. Wow. That's how much water we had in the back. So I would say it was like 12 to 14s probably all the way home. And a boat that none of us, we'd fished one other day. So it was pretty scary. What time was this though? Yeah, so that That's was a thing. So this is at like, yeah. so this is at like midnight at this point. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's pitch black. You know, we're like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was just not smart. It was not like the so, pictured like for those that haven't been on a boat in rough weather. Picture being like um, on a roller coaster at the top of the roller coaster over and over again, and with your eyes closed. with your eyes closed, but not knowing like not knowing what. Like, Zero predictability as to whether which you're, direction you're going to go. Right? That's anything. what it's like driving pitch black in yeah. rough weather. Wow. So yeah. it's just like over and over again, like a washing machine. Do your training kick in? Yeah. So we had, you know, we got all the safety gear ready, yep. um, survival suits and stuff around. I mean, like it's uh, you, you kind of make <laughs> your it. Your buddy's sound. still in his yeah. dress yeah. whites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, and he's still in his dress whites, driving us home. And uh, I, I distinctly remember at one point uh, he had we had oh, we've all fished rough days, but there was this. The, the monster shark tournament that they used to hold in Oaks Bluff in the vineyard. A couple of years, it was really rough. And he turns and looks at me. He's like, There's, yeah, this isn't as rough as the, the monster shark tournament. And then he looks over his right shoulder, and you can't even see the top. of Like, we're sitting down in the boat. You can't even see the tops of the waves coming at us. And, like, taking green water. So it's not just wind spray. Like, it's actual yeah, waves. It's full, full waves coming in the back of the boat. And then he turns back and looks at me. He goes, yeah, maybe this is a little worse. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I mean, an eight hundred like an eight hundred pound piece of solid muscle, essentially. Yeah. And looking Whoa. back and watching it floating in the back of the boat was just like That's, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Ever. And you probably shouldn't. Yeah. But. Yeah. He did. He did. I don't want to. I don't want to belittle you, but he did make the call that night. Oh yeah, I did make the call. My dad. I was like, yeah, we're you know. Told him the coordinates. Told him our coordinates. Like, when you make we a were. call home and. Yeah. Say that your coordinates and what's going on, it's a big deal. Yeah. And he wouldn't let my mom get on the phone. It was pretty funny. You oh, can really? hear in the, you can hear in the background like, Where is he? Where are they? And that's like he's fine, he's fine, don't worry about it. It's fine. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Taylor, anything stick out in your mind? Uh not not when it comes to like rough weather, but I actually um I worked on a boat from like two thousand five through maybe 2010 um at a situate one of the one of the boats my dad ran charters through as well yeah and uh 
we were on our way out in the morning. I did like 12 days straight. I was exhausted. I was almost falling. As, what I basically was, I was nodding off, sitting on uh, one of the, the seats next to you, the captain who's driving, obviously. And um, the charter was kind of coming in and out, doing the usual mingle morning thing where they, they come in, they might ask a couple questions, and then they go back out and stand outside and hang out with, their, with the uh, other charter people. Um, and this, this one guy, I m- remember him... Uh, coming down to the dock before we even left in the morning. He just, he kind of looked unhealthy. Like, he just looked like he, his skin, um, skin tone was skin off. tone was, like, off. He, like, looked like he was kind of, like, a little bit out of breath, like, a little sweaty. Um, just, that's the only way I can describe him, kind of, like, unhealthy. And it, and it crossed my mind for a second, but then I kind of forgot about it. Um, and then on the way out, we were only, thank God, like, five miles from shore. And on a usual like 20 mile steam so we were maybe 15 minutes into the, the steam out in the morning um and he walked up to uh like the entrance going down to the v-berth in the cabin and he so he's he's in the wheelhouse and he's staring out of the windshield and he kind of like looks at me and then like looks at um the captain at the time and then he just like Kept, keeps looking downstairs and he kept doing this circle with his eyes like looking back and forth like something was wrong and I'm like I started to just kind of watching him out of the corner of my eye but not asking questions because when someone's seasick you don't want to ask hey are you seasick because yeah. you know then they start throwing up yeah and uh, <laughs> so you don't want to egg that on you yeah. know you want to let them deal with their own problems you know are you homesick are you homesick <laughs> you're seasick right so uh he did this for maybe like 10 minutes and finally he like just started staring down the cabin and I remember I nodded off for a second and then I looked back at him and uh and he fell down on his back like I'm talking like if you were to just kind of let forget about go. everything yeah. let yourself go and he fell right on his back and I remember his you know his head hit the floor and it was like this loud crazy bang and uh immediately like you knew he wasn't breathing you know something was going on and uh so i i like got on top of him trying to see if he was breathing if it was if his heart was still beating yeah and uh the captain already had the boat turned around at that point and we were steaming back home like already pointed towards home yeah uh we had to call the coast guard you must have been flying flying yeah Yeah. the coast guard came out like 60 miles an hour and we actually didn't even come off plane with the boat we were still going like 20 and the Coast Guard boarded us while we were still flying, heading towards home. We didn't stop. Wow. And um, and as soon as it happened so fast, when he hit the ground, I remember, like, after I was just about ready to start, you know, um, giving him CPR, um, he just, like, kind of did one of those, like, <gasps> like gasp of breath and, oh, like, wow. started breathing. Wow. But was still at his eyes closed, and we didn't want to move him because we didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think we ended up sitting him up for a second and putting a small ice pack on his head because he whacked his head hard when, oh, when he yeah. hit the ground. And um, come to find out, so we, we actually, for the first time ever, went as fast as we could into Citroën Harbor, which is only supposed to go five miles an hour. Yeah. So we went all the way into the docks. Um you know, we docked the boat. The Coast Guard was on the on the boat the whole time on the way in, checking his vitals and everything and, and monitoring his heart. And um, so, like, a day later, we obviously canceled the trip. A day later. What? No. Yeah. yeah. We weren't going to go back out. The crew was pretty beside themselves. So, <laughs> so we were kind of – it bothered me for, like, the whole day, you know, what was going on. I was waiting for a call to hear, you know, what yeah. happened. And come to find out, he had a heart attack and – when, the only reason he lived, according to the doctors, is he hit the ground so hard it actually like pushed the clot through, whatever wow. was clogged. Yeah, so, that's nuts. Right. Yeah. So I'm I still like it's one of those things that you think of. You can still like picture what he looked like. Everything. Everything about yeah. him, exactly how he fell. Like, yeah. The whole thing, you know. Wow. It was pretty pretty wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I mean, I have some rough weather days, but that nothing compares Sticks to out that like day. That. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, anything anything happen on any of your charters with, uh, you know, any of the the sea life like sharks or something that jumps out at you guys? We had Navy SEALs jump in the water with sharks. Yeah, we had some crazy Navy SEALs guys that wanted that 
wanted to jump in <laughs> while shark fishing. Yeah, no, with no. chum in the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you guys are oh. listening, you guys are lunatics. <laughs> um, wow. The guy fall off the boat once. I mean, we see what's really cool about, you know, this profession is you see no day is the same. Yeah. You know, so like, like last year, like we had one, we had one day we went out just like kind of a casual tuna trip and we hooked up and the fish was over a thousand pounds. Wow. And then the very next day we went out with a charter and we got like a 150 pounder and the right. almost exact same spot. It's like, like that's how drastic like things can change. The life's different every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen like the whole whales breach, you know, very whales close breach to close. That's cool. Um, I mean, there's tons of white sharks around now. Like we, we haven't had, we haven't had. Awesome. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to freak everyone out, yeah. but they everything are, is definitely, fine. Definitely <laughs> go swimming. Yeah, absolutely. everything is fine. This way, I don't swim in Massachusetts no. beaches. Period. Negative anymore. Um, from what? what I've seen, I just don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. swim. I'll go swim down the Caribbean where I can see my feet, but I can't handle the yeah. Green the murky water, water freaks me out now. After what we've seen, there's a. I, I think I wow. I thought <laughs> I thought it would be the opposite for no. you guys. No, not into it. Yeah. We, I'm, um, I'm rethinking like everything. We right were now. we were 100 miles offshore in the canyons. Um, this was probably but, three years ago. For those of you who don't know the can the canyons, because it sounds like we're going to like the Grand right. Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the continental shelf uh, drops off from we call it like um, like 400 feet, 100 right. fathom line. So right. 600 feet like kind of marks the edge of the continental shelf, and then it drops off to thousands and thousands of feet, and it essentially like the name implies, follows the contour of the mainland, um, you so know, mini canyons North America, there, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's like, like, it's basically cracks in the right, continental shelf. Mountains. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we were, we were in the canyons like three years ago. Uh, we were catching yellowfin tuna at night and, uh, one of the, one of the guys was fighting one and we had it maybe 50 feet from the boat and we had a, you know, these yellowfin are about a hundred pounds, so. They're the majority of your body size, comparison-wise. Yeah. And, I mean, we had a tiger shark that was probably at least a couple thousand pounds, 1,500 pounds, came up from underneath the boat and, and ate the tuna like it was a jelly bean. I whole, mean, whole. Done. Gone. Wow. Disappeared. Disappeared. Like All you saw was the shadow. Swinging. The entire tuna fish was gone. Gone. And then it spooled the rod that we had it on. Like, we were, like, trying to, you know, trying to break them off, trying to cut the leader yeah, in his yeah. teeth. Mm-hmm. But um, it just must have been hooked or, like, wedged in the corner yep. of his mouth the wrong way. He just took it. Just took the whole we had, thing. We had a Go mako on. shark. Yeah, I'm still wagging a 600-pound mako that bit a 150-pound tuna in half, like, one bite <sighs> right in half. So uh, this is why you guys are freaked out by the market. Yeah, I mean, yeah. granted, we're out there a lot, so we see a lot. Yeah. You know, and, you know, from all the stats, you have more of a chance of getting struck by lightning, get attacked by a swarm of killer bees, things like that, yeah, yeah. and attacked by a shark, but... You know, there's all there. How did we get the shark attack? That's what I want to know. I'm no, <laughs> shark, I'm no shark attack expert or anything. <laughs> but I am going to weigh yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I am going to weigh in a little bit. But no, I mean, it's, it is something to think about. It you is. Yeah, like I said, I will not. Like, I'll go in right. need so, so I'm going to have to tell everybody when they start listening to this. In the yeah. intro, I'm going to have to say. <laughs> if you enjoy swimming, yeah. you might want to cut it off stop now. after we talk about yeah. rough weather. And if you yeah. and if you're driving the boat, if you happen to be driving the boat and you do run something over that like gets caught in the props, remember you drive, you dive. So you're the right. one that has you to go in the water. You're going in the water yeah. to, to yeah. get it out. It happened to me last year, actually. Yeah, we were. Uh, you had to go get something. We out. Taking, I was taking a boat down from. Um, uh, it's basically from New York. Went from New York to Virginia. I met the boat in Virginia. We went from Virginia, we we're heading to Florida, and uh, we were driving, and we actually had a gear failure. We thought, I thought I ran something over, but never saw anything in front of the boat, like a rope or something. Yeah, right. And uh, I had to get in the water. Thank God it was like 75 degree blue clear water, and I get in, and uh, I'm looking around, and obviously there's nothing in the prop, but a whole school of dolphins just came out of nowhere and surrounded me. <laughs> and I could hear them underwater clicking. Wow. And everything. But to be like 50 miles from shore, yeah. jumping in the water, seeing nothing around you, and then all of a sudden a school of like yeah. dolphins just come out of nowhere. It just goes to show you like what they can see versus what yeah, you yeah. can see. You yeah. Know? 
Mm-hmm. So let's so let's uh, no 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 no. <laughs> this has been great. I I want I, so the company is Mass Bay Guides. Correct. You run out of Situate Harbor. Yes. Correct. What kind of charters do you do for folks listening? Really any species in New England. Um, bluefin tuna is kind of our specialty, I guess. Yeah. I would say we focus on the most. Yeah, we focus on the most. Um, I mean, our boat. One of our boats is called Four Tuna. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, as the name implies. Striped bass, ground fishing. Um, you want to go by like month, I guess. Like, yeah. So I guess spring months. So coming up, the season's going to start here in the next couple months. It typically starts off with ground fish, uh, haddock, pollock. Still unsure as to whether we're going to be able to keep any cod recreationally for our charters. Um, last year we could not. Um, I've heard rumors that we might be able to keep one per person this year, but we'll we'll find out soon. Uh, striped bass, which is you know New England's staple fish, essentially. I yep. mean, you can catch them really from anywhere, but um, it's really good in the springtime. And then we start to morph into tuna fishing late June into early July. Really, Fourth of July weekend is when that all starts, and uh, kind of the recipe is there in Massachusetts Bay. And then um, and then we go into shark fishing as the water gets really warm. Uh, we start to go east of Stowagen Bank and shark fish. Um, and then we kind of morph back into sort of the spring fishery in the fall. So the striped bass start to migrate again. The water cools down. Um, tuna fishing is really good. The shark fishing typically ends around like Labor Day or you know late September is really like when it's over, over. For um, charters anyway. For charters right. anyways. Doesn't mean they're not still there. But um, but yeah, that's just kind of how it progresses throughout the year. Cool. Yeah, so where... Uh where can people find you on social media, the internet, stuff like that? Um, so on social media, it's just at Mass Bay Guides is the charter company. Um, we actually have another uh, brand or company that we started uh, called Seabros, S-E-A-B-R-O-S, as in Sears Brothers, uh, which is kind of for everything else that we do. So we do, you know, workshops, seminars. Oh, yeah, you guys just did a workshop yeah. or seminar this weekend. Yeah, right? we just yeah. did one, the Castafari seminar um, was at the Marriott in Quincy, and we have a couple more uh, coming up at the in, end of March, early April, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but, yeah, so at Mass Bay Guides or at Seabros is on social media, and then it's just Mass Bay Guides. At Seabros Fishing. At Seabros Fishing, I'm yeah. sorry. And then uh, How dare you. Yeah, how dare I. <laughs> Uh, and then massbayguides.com or seabrosfishing.com. Uh, you want to give our personal yeah, handles? Yeah, fine. Um, and then I'm just at MBG Brian, like Mass Bay Guides, at MBG Brian. And then I'm at MBG Taylor. But yeah, we're creative. We're all, yeah, very, very creative. <laughs> I copied him. <laughs> so you have some seminars coming up, you're saying? Yeah, so we have, um, for any of you fishing fanatics that might be listening, we have. Uh, we have a bluefin tuna seminar um, that Seabros and Mass Bay Guides is running. It's at Clean Harbors in Norwell, Massachusetts. It's at their amphitheater there at their corporate office. Uh, a friend of ours um, who works there was kind enough to give us that space. But on March 31st is a bluefin tuna seminar. On April 7th, there's an offshore trolling seminar. And on April 14th, there's another bluefin seminar. We we've hold them annually. Um, the bluefin seminar is very popular. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned before, it's kind of like an addicting sport, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so we host two. So you know, we always have one book up, and then just making another one available. And they're all just four hours, like Sundays. So we know everyone has sports and stuff with their kids on yeah, Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. So right. Um, and play hooky on a Sunday morning. Those are the dates. <laughs> okay. And uh, you guys were saying before we started that you guys are already like getting booked up pretty quickly for the summer. Yeah, for the spring and summer. We, we yeah. always can accept bookings. Yeah, it's just uh, depending on the boats. So our main boat, Fortuna Two, um, is almost always booked up. Yep. Every year, not right now. It's not fully booked right now, but by probably June, middle of June, it'll be completely booked for the whole rest of the season or close to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we always accept charters. So we have two or three other boats, main boats that fish every day, just like us. Got it. Um. You know, we have other captain and crews for those. We have a small boat in the North River, so if you have, you know, kids that you want to get out or you just want to get out after work or fish a tide or, catch you know, some striped bass. You know, catch some striped bass. Yeah. We have uh, a small bay boat that's in the river. Um, and then we do do a lot of, like, corporate trips. So we have quite a few companies that will um, 
you know, we'll book up to 10 boats for them and they can, you know, have a retreat for their company or whatever else. And we can kind of make it all inclusive. So the Mill Wharf restaurant's right there near us. Um, so you can do some, uh, like a reception. So if you need to split up the day or anything like that, or yeah. want to take people out for food and drinks afterwards, you can. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I, I just want to say thank you for coming in. For the record, Taylor's on four hours of sleep because he's got <laughs> a three-week-old uh, at home, so he, he's, he's barely awake right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but thank thank you to both of you for, for coming in this morning. Thank you. Uh, it was awesome to catch up with you guys. So um, maybe maybe in a little bit we'll have you guys come back on, recap the season or something like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, cool. That'd be fun. We appreciate awesome. you having us. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. That wraps up this episode of Back to the Point. Huge thank you to Taylor and Brian for coming on. Uh Really appreciate taking time away from the shop, your business, to sit down and uh, to talk a little bit. That was awesome. It's great to see you guys. Uh, thank you to Kristen Brophy for just being, as always, an incredible sound editor. Uh, thank you to everyone at BC High who makes this podcast possible on a regular basis behind the scenes. Uh, and as always, most importantly, above and beyond anyone else, no offense to anyone. Uh, Thank you to all of you for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks with somebody else. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.